think there's a lot of problems with how we're being taught. Uh, I do think that there are some useful frameworks that we learn at school and university. But if you're going to university to uh, in order to get a job, I think that's not the point of it. Welcome to the Driven Young Podcast with Byron Dempsey, dedicated to educating and inspiring the younger generation around entrepreneurship and practical life skills we aren't taught in school. Created for young people who seek direction in establishing their goals and passions. This podcast provides a platform for discussing the steps taken by professionals in their field related to handling finances, making money online, starting a business, growing a network and much more. And now your host, Byron Dempsey. Welcome back to the Driven Young Podcast. I'm your host, Byron Dempsey, and today we're exploring the education system and what students should be doing after they graduate, plus the array of career options you're probably completely unaware of. Today's guest is Lauren Crass, a business owner, branding and marketing expert, and podcast host who specializes in helping B2B thought leaders share their information in a candid and authentic way. Today, we explore her story. And her advice as someone who has worked and assisted many young people throughout her life. We get into if you should continue your uni degree, even if you aren't enjoying it. The power of building a network early on. How to decide which career pathway you should choose. The problem with the education system. The pressure young people face. And much, much more. Now, if you aren't already subscribed, make sure you do so you don't miss an episode. We have a lot of exciting guests coming up over the coming months. Now, over to Lauren. Lauren, welcome so much to the show. Oh, Byron, thank you for having me. Super excited about this conversation. We've just been chatting for like an hour beforehand. <laughs> um, but just before we get started, I want to jump into, I ask every guest this question. Um, what did you do after high school and what are you currently up to in life? Just give us like an overview of what you're up to. All right. So I did the very typical thing. I went to uni straight after high school. I finished a year young. I finished high school a year young. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was at uni uh below drinking age which was a little bit challenging (laughs) i did a science degree and um i do not do anything in science really uh now which is surprisingly common for people studying a degree and then going didn't want to do that and doing something completely different almost actually quite a few guests we've had on the show have done the exact same thing gone from accounting to creative so yeah it's super common yeah so i mean look I kind of do try to use the science in what I do. Um, so I call myself the business scientist, but really most of what I've learned has come from talking to people and, mm. you know, the stuff I did outside of uni. So uni was really great for the foundational work and for learning the scientific method. Mm. Um, but what I actually found was really powerful was taking the scientific method and applying it in, you know, in business, yeah. you know, kind of doing something a bit different with it. Great. And so you went to university, you studied a science degree, and then what did you do? Studied a science degree. I was I did an honours year in uh, research in neuroscience, and I was like, oh, I really, really don't like working in a lab. Oh no, what have I done? Mm. And I actually had this real like panic moment um, of going, what am I going to do? Like I've just spent all of this time um, thinking I was going to be a scientist and thinking I was going to work in a lab, and I hate it. Uh, so I was freaking out a little bit, uh, but fortunately I had started blogging. Um, so I was one of those like really nerdy uni <laughs> students who, when like WordPress was cool and it was cool to have like a blog, I started a blog 
and uh, I really enjoyed writing and I really enjoyed building websites and creating content. And so uh, the first job I sort of did uh, after uni was in communications. So I started working communications and marketing. Uh, and then I, yeah, I kind of started to see, oh, these, these two things, science and marketing can go together. Mm. Um, and then from there, I did do another degree uh, while I was uh, working. So I did a master's in, it's a bit of a weird name. It's um, a master's of cross-disciplinary art and design. Right. Um, so I really started to see, oh yeah, you can actually have, you know, art and you can have science kind of combined together. Um, yeah. And that's, that was sort of what I did and worked in media for a while, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And now you've got your own branding business. And so that's where you say you mesh your kind of marketing branding skills with science and mm -hmm. business. Yeah. So tell us a little bit, just kind of just an overview. What's that and what's it about? Yeah, sure. So um, the my business now, it's been a bit of an evolutionary process. I feel like everything I've done has been a bit of an evolutionary process and changed a lot. Um, but what I do is I help you know, visionaries, change makers, people who want to make a difference in the world to grow their brand hmm. and really understand how to tell their story in a way that motivates people and motivates the masses. So uh, having an understanding of neuroscience and psychology and all of those things is super, super powerful for actually understanding how to tell a story in a way that compels people to take action. Yeah, great. So yeah, that's, that's what I do. Awesome. And I just want to rewind a bit to when you said you went into a lab and you're like, oh my God, this isn't what I want to do. Mm -hmm. What would you recommend to people who might be in uni kind of going, crap, this isn't what I want to do? Mm -hmm. Would you say, you know, often they might get into the first year and it's like, just stick it out for first year, it gets better. Or it's like, or do you jump ship early while you're only, you're only 10 grand in debt instead of 20 or 30? Mm -hmm. Like, what would you recommend to people who are currently feeling that sort of anxiety? Yeah, it's so common. It's so common. Uh, one thing I would recommend is read the book, uh, Status Anxiety by Elaine de Bodden. Really fantastic book. In it, he talks about that anxiety that we feel or that angst that we feel sometimes. Mm. I think one of the big challenges with being young and having all of these opportunities in front of you is that we almost get that like, well, what should I do? Right, because it used to be you get a careers book and you choose your career. And now, that's it. And now 65%, according to like a government statistic, they, they predict that 65% of people coming out of school are going to be working on a job that doesn't exist. Yeah. How do you study for a job that doesn't exist? Or That's how do you, right. in my opinion, I think we should be learning soft skills like leadership, communications, um, anything that you can't learn from like math, like a book. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if, if you learn advanced maths and you're in a creative industry or your job has nothing to do with advanced maths, it doesn't really tr transfer over. Probably does a little bit, but not, you know, that efficiently so but there's leadership communication a bunch of other soft skills like that they can be used in any degree in anything so it kind of prepares us for kind of whatever life throws at us yeah i think that i think the job of the education system really should be just to teach us how to learn mm. i think the the content is a lot of it's irrelevant like you say it's right? irrelevant and, you know, something I realized recently was, you know, back when school, or in back, let's say 1950s, they're creating an education system. They're going, oh, we need a place for people to go to learn information. Yeah. But now we live in a world full of information. We can learn it wherever we want. We That's need right. to learn skills that we can't just learn over a computer or learn from someone, but actually learn by doing and, you know, implementing. It's because, I mean, really you can learn maths over a computer if you want because it's just formulas versus leadership and, and like public speaking. You can't just learn public speaking by studying it. You need to get out there and do it. Otherwise, you're never going to improve. 
Yeah, I completely agree. Like, I think the soft skills are a lot more important. I actually hate that they're called soft skills. I was mm. talking to... So it sounds my, almost like they're weaker. It does, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was talking to um, UNSW, which is my alma mater. I was talking to a few people there and we were talking about um, a course that they were looking at putting together and they were saying like, what do you think about soft skills and calling them soft skills? And I was like, guys, like that's so, that's really bad branding mm. actually. As a brander? Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's sort of like the all these associations we have with something being soft. You yeah. know, um, it's the one, they're very hard skills to develop. And like you say, it's sort of about also putting things into action as well. So yeah, you can theoretically learn about, I like the public speaking example. You can mm. theoretically learn how to be a public speaker, um, but actually going out and doing it is a very different mm. thing. Uh, I think that the, I think there's a lot of problems with how we're being taught uh, I do think that there are some useful frameworks that we learn at school and university. But if you're going to university to uh, in order to get a job, I think that's not the point of it. Yeah. I, I think it, it's to not... To get a specific job. Yeah. yeah I, it's, I see people now who did a vocational degree and they're really struggling a lot of the time. So marketing is actually a really good example of that. What people were learning in marketing at uni 10 years ago is not really that applicable to what's actually going on in marketing now. Yeah, or even now, from what I hear from friends who are doing marketing, because I'm a marketer, like that's my business, and and I like do landing pages, Facebook ads, that's all marketing to me, Um, but they'll talk about their learning, this sort of stuff, and I'm like, is that relevant? Like the marketing concepts are good because concepts stay the same. doesn't really matter what platform, you know, whether it's in 10 years and Facebook doesn't exist, the concept of like different marketing techniques is always the same. So they're good to learn, but they learn such irrelevant stuff. Mm. And it's the same with a lot of degrees. Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, I don't want to be too hard on yeah, universities because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get the, the struggle with trying to, uh, you know, take people to a certain level in different degrees. But I, I do think that, well, there's a, there's a few problems. Like one, um, we also aren't very good at dealing with things like, well, how do you, you mentioned communication before, right? Mm. So being able to speak good English, being able to uh, communicate on email, being able to look professional and present yourself in a professional way. Mm. We never talked about that at uni, yeah. you know, and is it university? How to network. Yeah, well, like, yeah. How important is that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they do have things like, you know, university clubs. And I'm sure people listening to this know that there's ways that you can network at uni. But you have to be proactive. You have to be proactive. You have to have time. And a lot of the time when you're trying to take a full course load on as well and it's thinking that I need to get HDs or distinctions in exactly. order to... It's like what's more important, building my network, which is going to do not much now, or getting a high distinction to get into the course or the the master or you know to get into the specialty that i want to do yeah like you want to say specialty or getting higher marks but long term having a network is really powerful it's super powerful and i think also what happens a lot what i saw at my university i went to a university that was quite close to my high school and i saw people that went to my high school really staying in their high school group Mm, um where for me i was like i'd gone to an all-girls school so i was like oh my goodness like there's all these people (laughs) and diversity and it's not just girls and there's nothing wrong with girls but it was just nice to have a bit more diversity yeah of course and uh so for me i wanted to branch out and meet as many people as i could I think a lot of people actually tend to meet the same types of people. They tend to hang out in the same types of It's easier of to approach people if you've got a mutual or if, you know, you have common interests, which is great. But 
you know, you need to get out of that discomfort zone. 100%. And I think that that's that's the massive opportunity that university provides in a lot of ways is being able to meet all these different people and being able to also study lots of different things and appreciate different perspectives but a vocational degree where you're trying to use it to get a job I actually think I don't know for me that's not that's not what what worked for me you know like it wasn't about the vocation I think it was part of I, I say to a lot of people I'm like I got a better education from being a medical receptionist at the time while I was going through uni because I met so many different mm. types of people that way uh, it made me appreciate also how privileged I was um, because I was dealing with people who couldn't speak English who uh, couldn't read who had just been out of prison you know yeah, lots right. of different types of people right which I just hadn't been exposed to before and the other one is travel you know going yes. traveling that was something we talked about in the previous um, or one of the previous episodes was yeah. just you know traveling will open up so many things you get to see new cultures you get a better perspective and if you're, if you're in sydney or australia listen to this if you travel you're going to be in a worse place in my opinion mm. unless you go to like you know there's some european countries which are really nice but australia is one of the best you know developed countries in the world and so it's like you're gonna if you go to other countries you're gonna get to see their culture and see that you're actually probably a lot more fortunate than them Obviously, excluding England and American stuff, but if you're going to like Africa and Cambodia and all those sort of countries, or a lot of the Asian countries, you know, it gives you very, very refreshing. When I was 11, we went to Thailand and we yeah. saw like underneath this bridge where everyone basically lived in like a dump. There was like rubbish everywhere and they were living there. And I remember I was just like, oh my God, mm. this is just shocking. Yeah. But it's a good kind of like appreciate what we've got. And I mean, and there's other skills in traveling so many other skills you can get you've got to mature up real quick if mum and dad aren't there or they're in a different time zone so it can be i reckon super valuable 100 percent. i think also just understanding that not everyone sees the world and sees life the same way Mm. you know a a lot of us in australia are uh you know probably also just the way that our our landscape is and the way that our cities are we do kind of grow up in a bit of monocultures i think i mean sydney is Sydney and Melbourne are quite um, multicultural. Darwin is as well. But even then, there is still this kind of like we have access to a lot more than a lot of people in the world, you mm. know. And I was thinking about this actually actually the other day. I was thinking about this in relation to happiness because I think that with ambition and wanting to achieve a lot, sometimes we can lose that perspective of actually realising that right now, if you're at you know if you're in high school if you're at uni and you're able to go home and be in a safe place and have a computer like one not only are you really well off in comparison to most people today but also most people in history you know mm. so yeah, that's the thing we're living better than kings and queens were in the you know yeah. 17 or 15 even earlier um we're living better than the best people in the world were yeah even if you like rewind 50 years or 100 years you know women and people of color didn't have knowing near as much rights as they did now i think it's phenomenal times we're living in and it's easy to get caught up and just get used to it so get used to everything we've got access to which is why i think it can be it can be good to see other cultures even watch a documentary or just stuff to kind of keep that in mind because i think we we all know that but it's often we often get caught in just the day-to-day that we don't appreciate it and we'll complain about stupid stuff and i don't complain if internet's slow or some stupid thing (laughs) I mean, I think we all do from time to time, right? Like, it's sort of like in the situation we're in, this is frustrating. But I found it actually when you mentioned anxiety before, you know, when I I was very 
angsty. I was so like, what is the meaning of my life? If I'm going to spend a third of my life working, what is it I'm going to do? And, you know, kind of stressing out like that. And what actually really helped to ground me a little bit more was just coming back to the fact that I was like, you know what, in a lot of ways I've already, right now the life I'm living is already really good. Yeah, exactly. And then it's sort of like, so anything that I do now is sort of like icing on the cake. Mm. And it's worth spending a bit of time, you know, for each of us to think about, well, what is it that, how do I really want to spend my days? You know, because time is the most valuable thing that we have. Mm. So if you take an extra year to do a degree or if you decide to drop out, like my husband dropped out of his first degree. He was doing architecture and he was like, I hated it. So I just left. (laughs) And it's like... What's better doing that now than 10, 20 years when you're 30, 40, 50 and you're like, I should have got out ages ago and now it is a bit scary because now you want to start a new career. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's what comes back to the question. It's like, are you just not used to it yet? You're not, you know, you're only halfway through your first year of architecture and mm. you maybe you're not sure if you like it. Do I drop out now? Do I keep going? It's, it's hard. It's like, you, there is no answer, one answer. But I would just, you know, I would recommend, con- you've always got to consider dropping out if you're really not liking it. Because yeah. if you're really not liking it now, it's probably not, I guess if you're learning, people think they don't like it because they're learning and when they're an architect, they'll just be able to do so maybe it's just a lot of variables, but it's hard. It's hard. I, th- I think one one thing that I wish I knew when I was a uni student, like thinking about these kinds of things, because I changed my major a few times. I was like, I'm going to do psychology. No, I'm actually going to do physiology. Oh, no, I want to do neuroscience. So I, I moved around quite a bit. Uh, and I've always been like that. That w- What I've realized recently is actually that's the type of person that I am and that's okay. So mm. I'm the type of person that gets bored after about 12 months. Yeah, You know, I've every job I've had, the longest job I've had other than working for myself has been 18 months. Mm. It's not because I'm a bad employee. It's just that... Jump ship. Yeah, I'm like, okay, I know how to do this now. Master this. I want to go do something else. And what's a really, really great thing, and I wish I knew this when I was younger, is actually just spend a little bit of time getting to learn what your natural strengths and weaknesses are and mm. what your tendencies are. That's what I've been noticing as well. Like, mm. I have really bad attention to detail. So yep. it's like when I'm hiring... Outsource it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> When I'm hiring, I'm looking for someone. Like, I'm great at big picture, creative, coming up with ideas and stuff. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to implementing to them in fine detail, outsource it. It's like I want to find someone who's the opposite, who doesn't like the big picture ideas, but they love getting into the nitty gritty and making yeah. sure everything's kind of a bit of a perfectionist. I'm the exact opposite of a perfectionist. I just want to get it out there. I just want to get started. And so, you know, that's why they say if you can find your wife or husband or business partner, you know, yin and yang sort of thing, having yeah. opposite strengths. It's It's also like... I think one thing to think is like, you know, if something feels like nails on the chalkboard to you to do, then that's probably not your strength. Mm. You know, so people go like, I think there's this thing in our, we're sort of raised like this and conditioned like this, I think that, and I think it comes from schooling. A lot of it is we have to just do it anyway. You know, you have to push through it. Now, that's not to say that you shouldn't wash dishes because you don't like doing dishes, right? Like, but if you find yourself just naturally doing something anyway like one thing that i did this is going to sound really weird to a lot of people i used to just write essays because i liked writing essays that is weird yeah i would I never do that <laughs> i know right exactly so like there are people that but like the, the, and the problem is and i was i've talked about this before is if you're not enjoying your degree you're, you're competing against people who are and yeah. you can't compete against people who are passionate yeah. how am i who hate writing essays if we were given a task how am i ever supposed to compete with you who loves doing it <laughs> Like, there's no chance. It's the same if you're an 
architect if you're an architect who's just scraping through you know just passing because you're forcing yourself to do it versus someone who's obsessed with it like they're up up late at night they're always thinking about it you just can't compete with that and so i think that's what you've got to keep in mind and you know i think most people haven't figured out what their thing is it's like how do i you know what what lights me up sort of thing what excites me exactly and it might also be like so for me with essay writing i don't write essays anymore but Mm. i went through this stage where i really liked writing essays you know and now i've found that my outlet is more podcasting so Mm. i love podcasting it's a lot of fun i love interviewing people i'll have to have you on my show at some point (laughs) Byron. but you know it's that's a way for me to have a conversation what i realized is i was like all of this stuff like writing essays and blogging and you know, wanting to get into marketing and communication, even though I didn't study marketing and communications. I'm like, all of it came from, I'm like, I'm just someone who I really like people and I like sharing stories and mm. I, I find that fun. And if you never paid me to do it, it wouldn't matter. Yeah. But if I tried to tell you, oh, this is like specifically what I'm going to do for my, the rest of my life, I'd be like, nah. Oh, same with me. Can't commit. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm the same with you in terms of like jumping ship sort of thing. Yeah. Out of a jumping ship, one of the, something I've been focusing on is, is to start, um, stop starting and start finishing. Mm-hmm. Um. That's why I started a podcast. I had the idea for ages and I was like, I just got to start it. Just yeah. got to get it going. Stop worrying about every little detail. Um, but yeah, it's it's just analyzing yourself, isn't it? Figuring out, because I'm the same. And I think most entrepreneurs and business owners are very, are like that. They've always got big ideas and stuff because that's the reason they start a business yeah. versus kind of practitioners who actually implement it and finish it, which is, you know, it's one or the other. You can't have a practitioner if you don't have a big idea, but there's no point in the big idea if you're not actually going to finish it and actually implement it. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great point, just analyzing your own behaviors. Yeah, and, and not thinking that uh, there's a wrong and right answer to mm, it as of well. Course. I think one of the big things that we're raised with is thinking that this is right and this is wrong. If I don't get a distinction or a high distinction, mm. that's wrong. But some of the – I was listening to uh, this little sort of snippet from Jamie Oliver the other day, and he was like, I failed high school. But, like, I really love going to high school because I like hanging out with my friends. Yeah. Super successful guy, right? Like, just because you don't fit the mold of what our culture is saying is right, which I think still is, like, we're being pushed to go go to university and being pushed to go to get a, you know, job straight out of high school if we don't mm. go to uni. You know, there, there's these sort of rules that we're meant to follow. But if you just kind of stop and go, hang on, is that me, though? Like, is that what I want for my life? Like, it's... It's your life. Yeah. And with today's opportunity, like you can do whatever you want. If you follow, you know, the question I like to say people need to be asking is not, you know, so what do you want to do? It's, you know, what excites you? Yeah. And if you can just follow that and just head in that direction of what excites you, it might not light you up when you go this way, but then you might go to this job and this job and then you start, you're figuring it out. You jump from job to job, you get experience, you figure it out. But yeah, I think it's more what excites you and just following that because we've never had as much opportunity as we have you can start stuff online you can start your own business you can reach out to people through linkedin who you could never reach before yeah i know it's amazing like you can reach out to (laughs) you know i think tim ferris did a challenge tim ferris did a challenge when he was studying i'm not studying like a professor or he was teaching a group of uni students at a college or in america and he said i want you anyone who can get in touch with someone they admire like a big person i'll give a free round the trip world I don't, th- I don't think any of them even tried because they just assumed other people would try it and they yeah. never even tried. Yeah. And then afterwards, once I realized, oh my God, no one's tried, they all did it and they all managed just p- through, through pure hustle, they could reach 
whoever they wanted to. Yeah. So it's like if you wanted to, you could probably get in touch with your, you know, favorite person in the world if you tried hard enough. You know, heaps of opportunity. And as we mentioned, just right women's rights and like the opportunity women have now versus when they had a hundred years ago or fifty years ago even. It's just oh, even like I was watching um the ABC just released a whole heap of video footage. Have you seen it on YouTube? Where they, they kind of like, uh, they show people's opinions and stuff from the 60s, from Four Corners. So right. um, looking, is it Four Corners? Yeah, I think so. So they're looking at, you know, uh, you know, asking a question like, is it okay to wear a bikini? And mm. you know, seeing what the, you know, the general public said in Vox Pops from like 1960 to 1969. And watching that, I was like, wow, like, how we've come so far just in terms of what what was okay then to talk about and ask and do and you know it was like oh do, do housewives get bored you know it's just like yeah, such yeah, yeah. a different world and I, sorry i know i'm going off a bit off topic no but, but it's so normalized for them and i reckon in right. 20 30 40 years they're gonna look back at us and be like oh my god that was so rude so yeah you know so homophobic or so whatever it is whatever we're doing right now and we'll probably be you know the, the 1960s of now there's this um there's two things I, I wanted to say in relation to what we were just talking about. So one was, uh, you know, when you said uh, follow what you kind of excites you. Exactly. Yeah. There's a really cool framework called the Ikigai. Have you heard of that before? No. So it's um if you just look up Ikigai, it's like a Japanese word. I'll tell you how to spell it so you can put it in your show notes. But it basically uh, it's about sort of finding you know what you love to do, but also looking at what the world needs and. You know, kind yes. of, it's putting it all together. The mesh. Yeah, yeah, like how it all kind of fits together. So that's a really, really useful exercise to do. Um, there's lots of templates online and stuff to do it, but just to kind of tap into that, right? Tap into what do I love to do? The, what, what inspires me? What does the world need as well? And can I make money from it? Mm. You know, like how do all of those things come together? And I would say like the world, like what does the world need? But really... It, you know, there's always going to be people who want what you or are passionate about what you're passionate about and you can sell to or figure out a way to monetize. You know, you're like if you love elephants or something, maybe you start an Instagram about elephants and you're the elephant girl and people who love elephants start following you. Then David Attenborough does a documentary on Jumbo, the, you know, the, the elephant, and then he invites you to do an interview and then you leverage that and it's like it just grows and grows. I've made that up, probably a lot harder than it sounds. <laughs> But, you know, it's just anything there's always going to be, whatever you're passionate about, you, if you work hard enough, you can find a way to monetize it or create, you know, live a, create a lifestyle out of it, I believe. I agree. Like one of the things that inspired my podcast show, um, the, the Grow Your Brand, so it's called Grow Your Brand, is like, um, I was like, if you grow your brand, and I think Gary Vee does talk about this quite a lot as well, so borrowing from him, but when you grow your brand, you actually can channel it into anything that you want. Mm. And what a lot of people don't realize is they think like, okay, I've got to have like the perfect product first. I've got to have the perfect idea. But actually, if you just get out there and start building your reputation, because that's really all it is, by doing things like networking and knowing how to communicate, you'd be surprised by how much power you can wield just by people knowing of you. Mm. You know, there really is something... People often want to help you. That's what I've been amazed about with LinkedIn. It's like you reach out to people and I do the same thing to people in return, but you reach out to people and they're kind of like, yeah, okay, I'm happy to have a chat and talk to you and see how I can help. Yeah, that's what we did. Yeah, exactly. It works really well. Yeah. (laughs) And we're talking about this um, with Andrew, um, who's a Canadian guy, Mm -hmm. and he was just saying like he would just DM people on Instagram and say, hey, did you want to have a chat? Or he'd say, hey, 
And then after they responded, he'd be like, hey, did you want to have like a quick 10-minute Zoom chat where they can get face-to-face? And once you get some face-to-face, then that's when, you know, he can get his personality out and you can actually kind of meet them. And he's just building a network all around the world. He's got friends in America and stuff. And then you can travel for free almost. You've got free accommodation if you've built up a network around the world. That's like a fun example. The example we were talking about, what you were just saying, was like more of a business one. Mm. But yeah, I think I can't express enough to people. And I, I don't know if it, I don't know how younger people consume this. If they just flick it off, like uh, network, I don't worry about network. I'll worry about that later. Or it doesn't actually matter. But I kind of get across how important it is yeah. and how you know it, you, uh, for uni students. Like, what's your plan to get a job after uni? A lot of them will say, I've got no idea. If you've got a network, you can just reach out. And once again, people want to help. Yeah. If you just reach out and say, hey, I've just finished my degree in this and this. I'm really looking for this, this. They'll be like, hmm, do I know someone? Do that to 100 people. You're guaranteed to get connected to someone. 100%. I've actually helped quite a few people with that myself. And if anyone's listening that want help, I'm happy to help out as well. <laughs> but usually I know someone who is like i have recruiters contact me sometimes as well and say like hey do you know anyone who needs like this job then i have uni students contacting me going hey do you need an intern i'm like look i'm not maybe i'm not looking right now but i what are you looking for Mm. and and that's actually the key thing like know what you're looking for because once you have that direction it's sort of like you were saying with the you know someone who inspires you getting you know in touch with them once you have the direction of actually that mission of being able to do that, yeah. you usually can figure it out. It's sort of more you just need to know what you're trying to do. So if someone reaches out to me on LinkedIn and says, oh, hey, you know, you're looking for an inter- a marketing intern. I'm like, look, I'm not looking at the moment, but what, what do you actually want to do? That's always a question I yeah. ask. Uh, and a lot of the time I end up having a chat with them because I'm, I'm like, I can see that they don't really know yet and that's perfectly fine there's nothing wrong with that but once you have that direction it makes a lot easier for people to help you Mm, yeah exactly and we actually nicole the episode with nicole we was talking about that it was like having a call to action for your life Mm. if you've got a call to action where in any situation when you're talking to someone they ask what are you up to you can go bang yeah or it doesn't have to be a huge vision vision it could be i'm looking i'm looking to start getting experience in dance or marketing i want to start getting experience in marketing Okay, you just want experience. So you don't care about money? No, not right now. Okay, great. I can introduce you to someone who would love to give you experience. So you can shadow them or whatever it is. Or you could be like, I'm looking to get a full-time job in this or something. And if you've got that clarity, as you said, people want to help. And chances are they won't be able to help you directly. But you know, the thing is that the network thing, you've got five people, each of them has five people. And it's a lot more than that, actually. It's probably more like 100 people. So, you know, I meet you. I've now got access to your 100 people. Once I get access to them, I've got access to their 100 people. So it's just like a compounding effect where, you know, having a call to action to one person might seem insignificant or mentioning it to your mate's dad or something. But when you do, he's going to be, how can I help him? And how can I, you know, keep it in the back of my mind if something pops up? I completely agree with you. I think it's a really good point. You know, the one piece of advice that I got business-wise, I don't want to just talk about, you know, I know not everyone wants to start their own business just because I'm crazy and I want to start one. But uh, this works for any sort of networking thing is just start by writing down 20 people. Mm. Like that's it. Yeah, that's quite common. Just write down 20 people who you think could help you in some way uh, for anything that you're doing. And if they can't help you, they usually will point you in the direction of someone Because one... 20 people is actually 500 people when That's you've got right. access because I've all got you know another 80 people who they can point to so really it's actually opening up even further yeah and and also 
you know, I, I talk a lot uh, to people about leverage. One thing that I think you can leverage as a young person is a lot of people actually want to help yes. young people. I mean, it, <laughs> every episode, again, to similar topics because it, so it's obviously a lot of people realize this stuff. But yeah, leveraging the power of being young. Like if you're young, people want to help you. And like I'm still yeah. experiencing it because I'm young. But I'm even getting older. I can see it, you know, kind of fading. It's like people have expectations when you're a certain age and you've been, you know, they know I've been working for this person for two years or something. It's like they have expectations. Mm-hmm. But when you're young, people want to help and they want to help you out or they, they want to give you as much. Because if you get successful, it's like and you're their mentor or they can like claim, oh, yeah, it all started because of this. That's powerful. Yeah. It feeds your ego. And it's also like you've got connection for them. Now you get access to his network or her network. So, yeah, being young is it's a lot of fun. Especially, take it. I think a lot of people don't realize, and by the time they're, you know, 25, 30, 35, 40, whatever it is, they'll be like, oh, damn, I wish I'd take advantage. There's always things to leverage, but like knowing what you can leverage when. So, when you've, because one question actually that I've been asked a lot by people who are, at university in particular is uh, they say I don't have experience but every job I'm going for asks for experience mm. how am I meant to get experience if I can't get experience to get the experience to, you know like it's sort of this catch I've got, an, I've got an answer for this as well so do you want to hear my one yeah yeah let's go with yours first all right so I have two things uh, one is volunteering it can be really really good uh, and I've met people specifically who also want to work in the nonprofit space. And they're like, how do I get a nonprofit job? I'm like, volunteer. Volunteer is huge because usually nonprofits have a really good network. Mm. So they'll, if you can't get them, if they can't give you a job, they'll usually have a network of people who can help. Which you is leveraging what we just spoke about. That's right. Um, the other one is just offer to do some stuff for free which is a little bit different to volunteering now i don't want to be too controversial because i know that there was the whole muffin break thing where you know we were talking about basically doing labor for free which is not at all what i mean Mm. but and this probably again applies to people that are maybe a bit more entrepreneurial inclined but like give people sort of like a taste of what you do so look i can do this example for you for free i mean i still do it No, working for free it's um it's super, super smart. If you have no experience and you need experience, you know, the trade is you work for free and you get experience. So you're not getting paid with money. But get, so it's a, it's, it works for both ways. You know, the person's happy because I've got someone working for free and they're passionate and you're happy because you're getting experience. So a year later, you can actually go for that job that you wanted. That's and you've right. got ref, you know, access to their network and they'll refer you if you did a good job, give you a, what's it called, recommendation. And that, that's the thing I would ask for. Like if I was going to do work for free, I would say like, look, my the reason I'm doing this like explain what the value is for mm. you because uh, people can get a bit suspicious as well like why are you doing this for free what yeah, do you right. want from me? If you, you know I think if you say look um, the reason I want to do this for the next three months is because I want to get a good positive recommendation out of this and and a job yeah I want positive recommendation I want a job I want to want like you know, access to your network or just kind of learn from you exactly. and learn from you is a good one because that once again kind of feeds their ego it's like oh <laughs> But, if they've got a big ego, which yeah, a lot of people do. <laughs> exactly. So, and three months as well is good. You know, that's a good good amount of time. Yeah. I think, and if you're still living at home, you've got no expenses, so you can do it for free versus when you move out and if you're, you know, you've got rent to pay for and everything, then you probably can't just work for free. Or maybe you can only do it a day or two a week and you've got to be working part-time to supplement for the money that you're not earning. Yeah. And that's because that's why it's like, do it now while you're still at home. Do it now while you, you know, have no expenses yeah so it's super do you want to hear my 
Yeah, I do. My advice. I, I mean, it's similar to yours, basically. I would say um, driven, like driven young. It's the name of a podcast. Mm-hmm. If you go in with like driven and you're willing to work for less because you've got no, take the, the fact that you don't have experience means you get a lower paycheck, which well, they'll like that because it's like lower paycheck but show that you're really passionate and driven. Sounds like obvious or maybe it's not that practical advice, but I did this when I was younger. I was just out of high school and I went for a job that um, required 33 years of experience. I had zero and I went for it and then my mum helped me write, write the cover letter and I got the interview. The interview went really well when I was one of 400 or two of 400 that got to the next phase, which was just doing like a two-day trial. Wow. I didn't end up getting the job, but they were willing to hire me for... Um, you know, thirty thousand dollars a year instead of fifty because I had no experience, but because I had the passion and the drive. And I think a lot of people need to go in with that energy for an interview, or somehow get that across in their cover letter or their resume. Yeah, I want to also make the point of saying because this was something actually that came up when there was the do you know the muffin break scandal thing yeah, you're yeah. talking about? Yeah, yeah. So, well, do you just explain it though? Yeah, so basically uh, there was a Royal Commission into in the franchising sector. I don't know that much about the details because law is like not my area mm. at all. Uh, but the uh, the head of Muffin Break basically turned around and said, you know, uh, oh, there's been this massive drop-off in the last 10 years of young people offering to do work for free. Millennials are so entitled. Yeah. Now, there was a bunch of problems with that statement. Uh, I got to talk to Mitchell Dye uh on um, the Pulse Radio about this actually, and I was saying like one of the the big issues with what that that comment was was one the age of a millennial at the time was twenty three plus, mm. which is already at the point where you wouldn't really be offering yeah, for sure. work for free. Uh, so there is this thing where people are generalizing about the millennial generation. I'm like actually like the generation that's in high school and uni now is Gen Z. Yeah, which, that's not millennials. Not that Gen Z is bad. I love Gen Z, but, you know, just get the the, the lingo right first. Um, the other problem was that in the last 10 years, we actually had a change in law as well. So it was actually, it, it's basically become illegal to just hire someone as a free intern and get mm. them to do all of this work and create all this value for your business. The only way you can hire someone as a free intern is if you're making sure that you're teaching them. So it really is more of a mentoring. A win-win, which a win-win. is what we were talking about. You're both getting That's value. That's what we're talking about, exactly. So, uh, and the other issue, and this was the thing that sparked off a lot of um, controversy as well, was just that there are a lot of young people who are in situations where they can't necessarily afford to do that. You know, they might be responsible for looking after their siblings or exactly, their parents yeah. or, you know, in, in areas where you just, you, you can't, you have to earn a living, you know, mm. you might be responsible for rent and all of those kinds Especially of things. Especially in Sydney. It, so it's, you know, I, I want to be careful in saying, you know, just go and do stuff for free. But uh, I think that if you're in a position to do that, that can be a way to do it. But if you're not in a position to do that, there are still lots of things that you can do. So um, again, like even if it's volunteering a little bit while you're working, you could do that. Uh, the other thing is like if you're part of like a community group, like you're part of a church or you're part of, um, you've done something that people have known you for a long time and over the course of your life you've volunteered, like that's experience. Mm. If you've done stuff at school or you did peer support, or there's, there's a lot of things that you can leverage. What you need to look at is, what, what is this person really after? What are they really looking for? And if you can communicate that drive, like you were saying, even if you can't afford to do work for free, there is 
so much you can do just by leveraging your drive and also being curious about other people and networking. So I don't want people to feel like, oh, if I don't, I'm not in a position to do stuff for free, then I can't do this. There is still a lot you can do. Yeah. Or you could even say, hey, look, I I really want to work for you for free, but I just can't afford it. Like I only need $200 a week or $300 a week. And that that might be like, yeah, that's fine. Like we can afford, we can afford to do that quite comfortably because we know, because you're clearly driven. So we want to have, we want to have you come work from us. Exactly. Exactly. So obviously it might not be as easy as that and you've got to get creative. But yeah, I like the point you make of, you know, we're not all in the same situation. So it's easy for us to sit here and say, just work for free (laughs) because that's the opportunity we have. But someone who's got to look after their siblings or maybe divorced parents, whatever it is, might not have that luxury. That's right. And I think, you know, we were talking about before this show, we were talking about sort of um, statistics and numbers games, right? So, and I think you mentioned a little bit as we were having this chat that like if you do that a few times the chances go go up and this is for everything so I do this in my business as well where I'm going okay so if I need a new client uh, I need to start having some conversations I'm not going to expect that the first conversation I have is going to land me a client sometimes it does by chance great but I might have to have 20 conversations 40 conversations or more to get that client it's the same with a job or any opportunity just because the first person says no doesn't mean that yeah and like that's it. stuff like kevin hart apparently pitched like 400 times before he got his breakthrough yeah and it's like all we see is his breakthrough we don't see the 400 pitches same with martin luther king mm-hmm. we, we know about his big speech he did that speech thousands of times for years before he got to do it in front of fifty thousand people like in the we only see you know people have made it and when they've made it but yeah exactly 100 percent agree yeah it's like um same with acting as well like a lot of people would audition a hundred times and now they're really famous actors but and they're like oh they got lucky yeah maybe but also they've created their luck by going to 100 auditions the way i like to use the mind i like to position this is um and i learned this from a mentor like a friend of mine who a deck of cards has four aces in it out of 52 cards and if you just flip over a card and that's every time you make a sales call every time you ask a girl out every time you whatever it is Every time you tr- you go for a job, every time you go, you know, do an exam, whatever it is, you flip over that card, nine of hearts. Okay, I didn't get it. You flip over another card, ten of spades. Keep flipping. But the thing is, every time you flip over a card, you've now got better odds of getting the ace. And the aces are in there. You know the aces are in there and they're going to come. And so it's the same with like a sales call or whatever. You, you've just got to position the mindset of you know you're going to get the sale. You know you're going to get one. It's just, uh, you know, you know it's in there. You've just got to keep going. Yeah, because a lot of people be they'll use the word if it's like oh what if what if I can't get one I mean, you know what if it's not in there yeah it's it's a really I think it's a really really powerful way of looking at it and I think that you know the 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 thing I've noticed a lot just having conversations with people you know who've been in business for a long time and or are very successful is they'll say things like um, oh you know they'll either say you have to work hard they'll be like you just got to work hard you just got to stick at it or they'll say like you just need to work smart. And I'm like, it's really a combination of the two. Like you, you can't expect that just by working smart, you're going to land stuff straight mm. away. But being strategic and then doing the time, yeah, those two things together very quickly. I kind of think of it like it's 
you're suddenly instead of it being like a linear progression through life you know where it's just like i do this and this and this That's exactly what i was saying the other day yeah are you gonna say like because people think that a graph you know yeah. goes like that but yeah. really it goes nothing 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 and then eventually bang that's right because there's all of these and and so you can end up in a position where uh you know when you're quite young where you're like oh actually i'm pretty set up and i'm in a good position now but in your like my husband and I talk about this all the time. I'm like, we were like really like struggling for a long time with like money and all well, this kind of stuff. Especially if your husband's a doctor now. Like yeah. He's studying. So all of the studying and even like after becoming a doctor, you have to do exams and all this. And now we're at a point where we're like, like I was saying before the show, we're going to go camper vanning for a year because yeah. we just want to, you know? And uh, I think that it, it, yeah, the, the exponential growth is, is what happens, but also just, I mean, what I love about what you're doing with this podcast, Byron, is that the the big thing is like hang around with smart people. Like mm. that's what really helps me. Like whether it was books, podcasts, actually being in the room with people, connecting with people from everywhere. Like yeah. that exposure, it just suddenly in 10 minutes, you can learn something that someone else took 30 years to learn. I know. That's the thing about love about books. Like this is everything they've learned and however long they're putting it and I've condensed it probably from a book that was five times bigger. I've had to filter it down into something like this. And it's like, if you just read this book, you could save years and years of heartache and having to figure out yourself because these people have done it. Yeah. And that's why I think, you know, as we are talking about before, information. We've got so much information around an opportunity where you can skip. That's why, like, you know, there's a lot of young people who are coming out really successful because I've been doing all, learning all the stuff online. They've been skipping like a decade of, consumed a decade of information you know, back when information had to be consumed by tapes and you had to go buy it. You yeah. can just consume it like that. And podcasts, you were listening to this, this is a great example. Yeah. All that sort of stuff. Absolutely. And, and like, uh, that just actually made me think, you know, don't be intimidated as well by, you know, when you mentioned the 30 years of experience, you mm. know, they wanted someone. Like, um, there, I was watching this TED Talk a while ago and I'm sorry, I can't remember who did it, but he was talking about sort of people being in learning mode or performance mode. And he was saying, like, after a couple of years people go into performance mode at work and what i found is actually a lot of the time you know working in corporate and working with other people and stuff people have been in a job for a long time have just been complacent for a number of years not some people there are people who always are growing and learning but a lot of people i would say the majority are you know they're doing other things in their life they're you know focused on their family or whatever it is and it's kind of like i go to work i do my job i i come home that's it right yeah but if you're kind of like, okay, uh, instead of... That, so basically, they've got two years of experience and then lots of practice, yeah. really. Like yeah, that, yeah. That, the two years of Two years learning. of experience, learning, and then just repeating, repeating. what I've been doing for exactly. 10 years. Exactly. Yeah. So really... It's not experience. That's, that's right. It's yeah. not experience. It's just performance mode. So if you can learn quickly, and this is why, like for me, I use a scientific method to do this. It's really about going, okay... I'm going to test this out. I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to analyze the results and then I'm going to improve it. Then I'm going to test it out. I'm going to see what happens. And And that's experience. That's right. And you can, you can suddenly learn at a much faster pace if you're looking at what's going on and and you keep going, okay, I've done this and now I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to do it better and just continually improve. And that's what we should be learning how to do at school. Yeah. I love that. And it's it's quite, um, it's kind of probably, it's refreshing for young people to hear and depressing for older people to hear that their experience is not worth much but it gives young people a chance to compete against those people especially if technology is involved 
um, because that's where we can catch up on them with technology. But yeah, it was interesting, interesting point because my dad was just saying he's part of the nurses union, mm-hmm. managing a section. He's got people, you know, and if that's what, if they're happy, that's great. But they've been doing the same thing for twenty years, and it's like, is that twenty years of experience, or is it three years of learning how to do it, and then twenty years of just rinse and repeat, as you mentioned, go into work, um, do the same stuff, go home. And it depends. Like if you've got a management role or something that's constantly changing, that would be experience. But a lot of, as you mentioned, corporate stuff can just be, you know, you get in, rinse and repeat, doing stuff for new clients over and over. And that's kind of, I think, you know, what school especially, maybe not as much uni, has actually kind of almost conditioned us to put up with as well. Sort of like, you know, okay, you're meant to, like, I mean, the the rinse, repeat thing, right? You know, you... You go in, you do your subjects, you go home. It doesn't even really matter if the subjects have any relevance to you or not. You're just supposed to do it. Mm. And that's what I think. I mean, 85% of people hate their job they're in. Yeah. Like that's depressing statistic. You yeah. Know? And a lot of those people, when we look at them, we'd, we'd think, oh, they're really successful because they're higher up or they're doing this or blah, blah, blah. But actually, I think the thing that really matters is that going back to what we started off saying you know you're you're looking at well okay how does this relate back to me what's actually important to me and, and is this going to help me grow and learn and develop so i can do more of what i want to do and if it's if the answer is no then maybe don't do it <laughs> yeah exactly exactly anyways we need to wrap it up i've um i'd like to ask one final question before we um, wrap it up fully I'm mm-hmm. um, ask every guest this question it's quite a difficult question and you've probably already answered it but it can be anything related what would be your one piece of advice for the younger generation mm, if I had to pick one piece of advice I think it would go back to knowing yourself to be honest with you I think that insight into being making yourself the number one thing you're curious about it just helps with so many things from relationships to career Mm. uh to branding yourself as well you said by knowing yourself you say knowing what you want knowing yourself as in having insight into who you are you know what your strengths and weaknesses are so as we mentioned before as i mentioned my weakness was um finer detail and getting in the nitty-gritty Exactly. It could be something also like uh, you're trying to be something else because you believe that that's what you should be. You or know? what your parents want you to be. What your parents want you to be. There's this um, There's this quote that I read, and I'll finish on this. I won't <laughs> keep reading, but this quote this, that I read while I was at uni, and it really was a turning point for me. And it was one of the top regrets of the dying which was, I wish I would have lived a life more true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Yeah. And I think the only antidote to not living the life that others expect of you is to stop and actually go, okay, what is it that I want? And that is a constant journey. Like that will keep you busy for life, yeah. I think. But that allows you to make so many decisions in every aspect of your life that allows you to be a happier and more fulfilled person, I think. That's and really powerful. what you just mentioned has almost never been more difficult with comparison in social media, Instagram, yeah. and everything. It's like you want to be what, you know, TikTok, whatever it is, you want to be what gets likes and what gets clout and what people engage with, even if that's not true to who you are. So, yeah, super important. Yes. And uh, 
just before we wrap up, where can we find you if people want to know more about you? Where, do we got Instagram, LinkedIn, your yeah. website? Yeah, I mean, I'm on Instagram, but I'm not very good at Instagram because I'm 30. So Instagram came <laughs> out when I was old. But um, LinkedIn is really good. So if yeah. you just look up my name, Lauren Cress with a K, uh, reach out to me, connect to me. Let me know that you heard about me on this show uh, so I know where you came from and I'd be happy to have a chat. Awesome. Lauren, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. No problem, Spire. I appreciate it. All right. If you are still here, thank you so much for listening to this entire episode. If you got some value out of it, it would mean the world to me if you left a review on iTunes or shared it with your friends or family. Otherwise, I'll be putting up videos of this episode on Instagram and Facebook. So check it out there at Byron Dempsey or at Driven Young Podcast. And I'll see you on the next one.